well, hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Justin. And you're listening to the E&J Show. It's a podcast about dating, sex, the pop culture of our youth, food, farming, and how we're navigating this crazy little thing called life. How have you been, Justin? It's been well. We've had some updates um, since the last episode. You have? Yeah, on, well, the, I, I, on the podcast side of things. I was going to talk about that at the end, but we can talk about that now. Let's get it over with right now. Okay. Do you want to say? Oh, I mean, you, you did a lot of the legwork, so I'll let you. Wow. Um, well, we share the legwork, but I will say that, um, so as of, I guess, last week, we got everything online, so we are now on, uh, we're hosted on Podbean, and you can find us at ejshow.podbean.com, and as of yesterday, we are on Spotify as well as iTunes. Um, and you Apple can... Podcasts, as they now call it. Oh, what did I say? You said iTunes. Oh, yeah, you're right. I- Apple iTunes Podcasts. doesn't exist anymore. It's you're right. iTunes podcasts, doesn't exist. Music, Apple and... Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can find us there by uh, searching either one of our names, our first and last names. So I'll just say that my name, my first name is Emily, as you know, and my last name is Broderick, B R O D R I C K. Did, and you, did should... you confirm that um, yes. on Apple? Okay. Yes, it works. Okay, good. Sweet. Okay, so yeah. So that's the big news. Uh, we're a real podcast now, basically. Sure. Yeah. Now Cause... people now people are listening. Actually, right. as of... Uh, well, last night I, I checked how many downloads we had on Podbean, for instance, on our most recent uh, episode, which was episode three. Uh, and last night it was at 7, and this morning it was at 11. So people are actually downloading, which is really cool, and we're really thankful for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I was talking with um, a mutual friend the other day, and she said she wanted to hear more salacious stories. Yes, I was going to mention that at the end too, but you're welcome to mention it now. Well, I figure I mention it now because it kind of segues into our first discussion for Mm -hmm. the day. That is a good point. Um, So Justin and I, was it last week or two weeks ago? It's been two weeks now. Uh, We watched this documentary on Netflix called Liberated, which when we... We were, like, looking for schlock to watch one night. We just decided that we were going to watch a crappy movie together. And um, we found this uh, trailer for this movie called Liberated. And uh, at least from my perspective, I felt like it was going to be a modern day, like, kind of trying to be Woodstock documentary. I can't even remember if we saw a trailer. Or if there was no trailer and we just skipped to a random point in the film to see what they were talking about. For some reason, I feel like that is what happened. Oh, Um, you might be right. I really don't remember a trailer. I remember what got us was that the thumbnail was um, a whole crowd of bros looking up at the stage where just two legs, two female legs going up. And there was (laughs) like this red stream coming down, splitting into two streams. And we said she's peeing. Two bloods. He and uh, blood from both her pee holes. Exactly. And so we were like, okay, what's this? And then I think we skipped to a random point in the movie and some scrawny, nerdy, <laughs> like, like imagine, imagine if Bono was a young man again and he had dreads and this guy's just going around talking about how he can he can grope any woman because they all love it and yeah and he's like I he, hey, I could fuck any of these these women here except he yeah he basically well he was he kind of looked like Skrillex with bad teeth that's you know what that's better I was thinking Bono yeah. because of his terrible terrible sunglasses but that's true he, he physically, they weren't he sunglasses was, they weren't sunglasses those were just his regular glasses they were his Bono glasses those were his Bono glasses it's a right. good point they they were that shape and he had these really long white people dreads that were you know frizzy and crappy looking and pointy at the bottom and um yeah he just he was going up to all these different women and was just 
yeah, groping them and making out with them. And he kind of asked if he could kiss them, and the women agreed. They were, to be fair, the women were, like, very interested in him. Uh, They were also really, really, really fucked up, as we will discuss. Yeah, so I think from that, we were like, okay, this is something that is either going to be really funny or... A complete I think train we were, wreck. yeah. I think we were both really kinda, excited. Was, we were like, we want to funny. watch this. Yeah, there was kind of a dark humor to it of like, oh man, who are these characters? Right. Um, um, so we started from the beginning, and away we went. Yeah, and let me just say that um, the the documentary description on Netflix says it's a movie about exploring how pop culture shapes a new generation's belief about gender, sexuality, and violence on display among students on spring break. So it's a spring break movie. Or like a documentary about spring break culture. It's, yeah, well... But also... I, I I think it's important to get out of the way now that it's a film about spring break and spring break culture... They only film on one beach in one area of Miami for probably just a few hours over the course of one afternoon and then an evening. And then they take what they quote unquote learned from that. And then they try to apply that to hookup culture as far right. as like, as far as like millennials and college age students right. go as, yeah. a, as in a whole. Ge- in, yeah. In general. Yeah. Which, you it's know, crazy. you ju- you can't do that. They're completely different environments. Um, but anyway, like, let that be the backdrop to everything we talk about of taking a relatively um, particular and, and nuanced uh, environment and then trying to make implications for a complete yeah. generation of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let me ask now, do you want to, like, go through these ideas in order or do you want, like... To just um, say things as we go. Yeah, you know, we've got some bullet points here. Why don't we go down them? And okay. if, if they, they're a little discombobulated, but I mean, I couldn't tell you the exact sequence of events anyway. So. Okay, so, so uh, let me just say now then that after we watched this movie the next morning, um, I was like getting dressed and I had this thought that like, just so even as we were watching the movie, I kept turning to Justin and being like, what is the purpose of this film? Because it wasn't clear to me or it like couldn't be clear to me being someone who, you know, I went to a liberal arts college, a very liberal arts college. I'm a very like progressive person generally. And just like this movie just didn't feel progressive to me at all. And which felt weird because it's a movie about sex. So then I was like, well, what if it's propaganda? And then I, I texted And there's Justin. only one kind of propaganda it can be when you're talking about sex. Yeah, like anti-sex <laughs> before marriage Christian propaganda, for real. So like, I, I texted Justin and I said just that. I was like, what if this movie is propaganda? And we sat down and we actually got on Discord, where we are right now, and started researching... And it turns out that the director, Benjamin Nolot, is uh, the CEO of this and founder of this uh, organization called Exodus Cry, which is a Christian social activist group um, that focuses on human trafficking, um, specifically like with children and uh, with children and sex trafficking, which is actually really great. And like no qualms with that. Like that's really amazing work. But yeah, he's a really very, very religious person. And this film was like propaganda, like was Christian propaganda about like how I I guess kind of like, well, how would you put it, Justin? Um, about how it's expected of men to be... Uh, extremely extroverted, um, dominating, sexually dominating, both compared to their other male acquaintances, and then to women, and then how it's a woman's place to be um, objects for them. And they they tried to explain how we've gotten to this point in society, like what are those influences, but they they really fall flat. And um, 
you know, there's so many other documentaries out there that talk about these topics and actually go into more societal things and talk about generational changes and media and all of that. And there's yeah. so many that I, I can't really recall any names. Um, I remember yeah. watching, but, I, I, I saw quite a few when I was in college taking like gender studies classes and yeah, it, like this isn't really any kind of new um, area of study. People have been doing this for no. Yeah. Ages. But I think, but going back to what you're saying, I think, yeah, I think the point of this movie was to be like, men are this and women are that um and here's the roles that they play and how like kind of like the culture we live in now has affected that and it was very black and white and very like yeah they talked about alcohol and drugs but like at the same time they were like it's expected of men to be predators and it's expected of women to be preyed which was really freaky and not good very very made me really uncomfortable throughout the film uh one more thing too this guy benjamin nolot this is just really funny he's also the um ceo and founder of an organization called ihop (laughs) which which when i was reading it i was like ihop but ihop stands for international house of prayer yeah which is just fucking ridiculous. But well, anyway. Well, so I think um, I think what you're bringing up is another good point about the, the broader scope of this film. Uh, they, and I, I thought I was imagining this, but it's true. I went back and I, I kind of skimmed it. They do not mention LGBT issues or people <laughs> once, not even once. Uh, yeah. Obviously because it's Christian propaganda, but when they're talking about spring break and everything it's from an extreme heteronormative uh, yes slant which uh, you know yeah. okay but it's just it's kind of amusing that this was made in 2017 and here they are speaking in really broad strokes about men and women and implying yeah. that all of them are this way you know exactly no exactly. nod to bisexuality homosexuality asexuality uh, God forbid they even mentioned trans people, you know. No. They, so, not, not only did they not mention it, they didn't film anyone who was gay. Or at least it didn't seem that way. And like... I Yeah, they... I mean, if they did, that person was not, you know, coded as gay. They were not shot right. as... Yeah, they um, didn't, they didn't it, speak to anyone about homosexuality or bisexuality... Which it's just like it's spring break. Everyone's there to fuck, no matter who they're attracted to. You know. Right. Well, that's. I mean, that's kind of what they were saying, right? Is like, yeah, spring break and everyone's fucking. It's like you don't think any men and women are fucking each other. Like men are fucking men and women are fucking women. Like, come on, they're really drunk. And also, like, there's a lot of people who are attracted to the same sex that they are. Like, that's just a fact. Right. So I. You know, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. But so they, they go through um, a few segments. I, I think there were three total. Uh, the first one is called the story of masculinity. And then there's the yeah. story of femininity. And then there's yeah. a culture of sexual violence. So to briefly go through the first two points. Um, yeah. They kind of introduce the whole setting. You know, we're Panama City, Miami, spring break. We're on this beach. They go around talking to various people. And then they try to get into, well, why are men like this? You know, why? And it, it kind of goes nowhere. It's just, mm-hmm. like, well, to be a leader, you need to be strong. And as we all know, sexual conquests make a man. Like, like such textbook, like, baseline stuff that yeah. there is no point in even saying this because it's it's yeah. so obvious at this point. Um and w- and while they were like filming these people and interviewing people at the beach and everything, they also had on like these educators who were like speaking, um, who they were like filming not at the beach, like yeah, they educators. they were cutting to interviews with yeah and experts and and I have the list of experts. experts. Yeah, um, some of them, well, I shouldn't say they were all educators. Some of them were educators. There was, like, an Amherst professor, uh, 
And uh, you've got a, a woman studies professor from Wheelock, owner of a yeah. violence protection training business, and then they've got that's a, right. Then they've got a former like NFL quarterback. That's right. Yeah. Which, and okay. Um, yeah, and especially I will I, I will say like the men were kind of like well. I remember one of them talking about like having sex puts notches in your belt and like men need notches in their belt to like seem powerful. And it was like, what fucking year is it? Well, and, and so some of the people that were speaking that way, I didn't know if they were using the words that they were because they're speaking from like, Oh, this is what society expects of you. Not so yeah. much, not so much. This is what I personally believe, but like, That's, this yeah, is what they've I, been trained. But there wasn't, there wasn't a good separation between. No, there between was no that. explanation. There were like, I felt that way too, where like, that's kind of what, what I was saying at the beginning. We're like, we're, we're both very progressive people. And like, we have lived in New England. You've lived here your whole life. I've lived here a, a big portion of my life, a third of my life. We live in a very progressive area. It's like, in in my mind, as I'm watching this film, I'm like, well, they can't actually be saying what they're saying, right? Like, they must mean something else. But it's but, it, it's but impossible they didn't. to know. I mean, with the experts, it's impossible to know. So that's the thing. Once they get into yeah. talking with with the um, undergrads, the co-eds, to use that term. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously they're conducting these interviews and I don't know how they did this because I don't really trust uh, this production team to be that ethical about stuff. I, I really don't. Yeah. So obviously they had gone through the process of making people sign waiver forms because they do block out some faces and everything. You know, I don't know if when they were doing the release forms, these people were in like a complete sober state of mind. I, you know, I could very easily see someone consenting to this um and then a few hours later realizing what they had done but there's yeah. nothing they can do and all it takes is some some kid's mom you know to say this is gonna damage his career and sue them because that has happened with with a lot of stuff like this yeah um, and like those people some of them were really young like they're in college they're probably yeah, not there, there were some maybe... people that were like actually 18 years old and stuff yeah exactly mention that so I, I know that some people are kind of divided on how you interview someone. Um, there are people that think, well, you just let them speak and they're going to reveal their hand and intelligent audiences should be able to discern whether they're full of it or not from the words that they say. And then other people say, well, if you've got an interviewee that is really spewing something really outlandish, it's kind of your job as the interviewer moderator depending on what you what you want to call it that you need to kind of call them out and challenge them on that because they could be saying something that's either very hateful or hurtful yeah, or problematic, not yeah. productive you know mm -hmm. so obviously spring break on the beach is a lot less um life or death than um say a presidential debate or like just a, a, a big uh interview with a major publication or something yeah, but but I think it still kind of applies because they're interviewing these kids and they are kids essentially, and they just kind of let them speak and they never once question why do you think that way, why do you act that way, how do you feel when your friend does or says this, how do you feel when you see this going on? There's none of none of that. You know, what do your parents think if they? You know, just any kind of basic line of questioning. Which okay, that's the approach they took, and I'll yeah, say, they didn't ask. They didn't really ask questions. They just sort of right. Which or which maybe, again, maybe they asked one at the beginning, but yeah. Which they, again, I'm yeah. I'm not here to say that that was the right or wrong call because yeah. that's I'm willing to just say that was their style. But yeah. I think when you're trying to send this message of like well, how do we get here as a society that men think this way and, and act this way and women, so on and so forth, then maybe that is a time where you should be asking those questions. If your topic are if your topic is young men and women and talking about societal expectations for them as far as sexuality goes, and then you're talking to them and you're not really asking any questions about that, yeah. Um, no, maybe they want to have a scientific view and like, 
kind of be a little candid and step back from it. But at the same time, they showed the production team hanging out like after hours with some of these people. Uh, There's a scene where they're hanging out at some motel where some of the, uh, there's like some chavs from the UK that are there. Yeah. it's, It's really strange. And they're hanging out on their motel deck. And then some girl just like walks by and this one dude just convinces her to sleep with him within like less than 10 minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. yeah or that's, that's the way they filmed it. That's the way they presented it. And then they just kind yeah. of, and film... she, they, they go. So him and her go into the hotel room and they kick everyone out and they're in there for like 20 minutes, apparently. And while they're in there, there is actually one of, one of the British guys is like, he is confused and he is asking questions. He's like, how could she just go in there? And like, how could he sleep with her? Like he didn't know her. And it's, it's kind of sad because he is very innocent compared to all these people. And then he comes out and she just fucking leaves. And the poor woman is falling over herself as she's walking away on the beach. And the film crew is filming her fall over herself. Right. And she's really drunk. And She's really drunk. Um, they just kind of laugh it off but the whole time the film crew is like outside as they're having sex as as all the bros are just like yucking it up and it's just kind of weird because i think at that point you are crossing that line of being a participant versus an observer you know yeah by by entrenching yourself like that so yeah and like five minutes later He's our, the guy who had sex with the woman. He's already talking to some other girls. Yeah. And, some other and again, women. yeah. There's no, and they show the interviewer there. It's not like he's always behind the camera. They show him in that whole scene. Yeah. And the most amount of questioning he gets to is just like, oh, does he do this often? You know, yeah. like, which, okay, again, if that was their goal. But, um, it's a little odd how they don't make the men answer for themselves, but then when they flip it to the woman, it's a completely different yeah. um, type of documentary. And meanwhile, like, do you want to talk about the the female side now? Yeah, I, I think we should. Uh, and what, sorry, what was the, the segments are called again? Uh, it's the, the story of masculinity the, and femininity. That's right. The, so the story of femininity... Uh, it kind of is mostly about these two young women who go to college together. One of them is like really tall and skinny and blonde. And the other one is more petite. She has, she's brunette, but she has like pink. She's dyed her hair pink. And at one point they enter this like bikini dancing contest um, where they, I don't know if the prize was money or pride or what, but they... I don't know that they ever really disclosed that. And they didn't really disclose how they got into the bikini contest in the first place. It sounds sounds like they were roped into it. It sounds like someone came up to them on the beach and said, hey, would you like to be in this bikini contest later? I see, They never really reveal it because the girls' attitudes towards it are that they feel a little guilty and shamed about doing it. You do. But at the yeah, and it's it's kind of a it, I'm wondering even if like the program like set like if the film crew set up the bikini contest or something. Mm. But like yeah, they they are they're actually really sweet women and they're like really good friends and they have this like uh bond this like sisterhood that's really strong and and cute. Um and then it's it's like nice to see. And then um yeah, late like after partying during during the day, they go back to their hotel rooms and they like get their bikinis ready and they do their makeup and they go to this like creepy warehouse kind of looks like a it looks like a rink like where people wrestle or something. So I thought yeah, they were going to wrestle. It, I mean, it's Miami, so Yeah. It looks like you know. that. Yeah, so, um, and then they make them put oil all over each other. Uh, well, the, the... Not, not even. The, a guy comes up with, like, a spray bottle of baby oil and just sprays That's them right. down. Yeah, um, and, and then he's, like, rub it in. So they're all, like, rubbing in this oil into their bodies. Well, like, once they're, like, in their bikinis. 
And then they go out at night and they do the bikini dancing contest. And like as each one is doing it, like kind of at the end, they like the audience and the guy who's hosting the dancing contest like asks them to take their tops off. I wouldn't and really the, call that asking. I no, say, they didn't ask. They I, really. I, I would. I would say he was telling, not asking. No, he told. He told, and the audience is chanting. You know, you know, take show your tits, show your tits, or whatever. And then, um, and the guy who's hosting the competition like grabs one of them, like by the arm, and is like trying to take off her bikini. Meanwhile. Or not meanwhile, but at other parts in the film. I guess we'll talk about this at the end, but there's, like, a lot of women who, like, when they're at the beach are getting their bikinis ripped off, basically, and are getting groped. And it's very upsetting to watch. Um, But, like, so the women, I think specifically, like, the shorter one, like, loses the bikini competition, the dancing competition, and she's really upset about it. And they're filming them back in their hotel room. And she's, like, crying because, you know, I don't think it's just because she lost. You know, she did lose, and she feels the sense of shame for having lost and, like, uh, having... I think also of having, like, put herself in this position where she let herself be compared to other women by these men and ended up losing. And then she starts talking about her little sister and like how she doesn't want her sister to grow up in this culture and she's really upset about it. And it's like, I don't know where to place my thoughts on it. There's a lot of ambiguity because like, what is she trying to say? Like, I I thought she felt empowered by this bikini contest and then she lost. And now all of a sudden she's like, this was the wrong thing for me to do. It's sort of confusing. Yeah, well, and then when she starts talking about her sister, I think she said her sister's early on in high school or something. Yeah. And so she she acts like, well, not acts like, she says that she doesn't want her sister to go through this. Um, and I think she just means, like, the broader scope of this kind of culture. Um, but then when she starts talking about how she doesn't want her sister like to go to spring break and everything, um, you know, maybe that's an important revelation, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it was like she was realizing while she was there, the true nature of that entire environment. But yeah, when they interview the woman, they don't include any lines of questioning. So you really don't know how they got to that response. No. Um, again, it's, it's all just kind of breaches of being a good interviewer. <laughs> Well, um, I th- yeah, yeah. And, and no, I agree with you. It all it also comes down to the production team, you know, people editing that. Yeah. The whole thing. Um Yeah. Who knows if they were asking questions because they often don't show. They don't, you often don't hear the questions in documentaries like that. Yeah, but you can at least get a sense get a, of, get of a where sense they were that coming they asked. from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and you didn't. You didn't. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so the last section was about a culture of sexual violence, but, um, I would say this is the briefest section, but it was the most disturbing. It was the most disturbing. So this is where we see various guys going up to women and just groping them. Um, sucking on their boobs. Yeah. There was taking off their bikinis and sucking on their tits. Like completely just without asking without asking yeah and then the woman saying well there's nothing i could do so which i'm not even going to touch that um yeah and you know they film actual sexual assault Um, yeah they do and they do nothing about it they do nothing about it they film multiple sexual assaults of guys ripping off women's clothes Yep. And, yeah, yeah, touching, touching their touching genitals them. and their butt, yeah. and then they're like, mm, you know, it, it just happens, and it's like, you know, again, at this point, where now, now it's okay for you to be the observer, right? Because you're seeing yeah. actual crimes being committed, so now yeah. you're saying, oh, oh, we just saw something, but it's not, yeah. And at that point, it's fucking voyeurism. 
Yeah, and and that's why I'm saying it's like, oh, so now it's okay for be a you know an observer and not a participant in this, despite the fact that you are recording incriminating evidence. Yeah. Um, and they talk to some guys that are really fucked up. I mean, everyone is, but some of these guys, yeah. it's like they're blackout. And, um, and they talk to a few guys and they're just like, oh, how do you see a woman? And they're like, well, a woman are sluts. They're, they're objects, you know, that's, um, and then they don't really ask a woman kind of that same question. Um, you know, like, no. how, do you, how, do, how do you see men or how do you see the objectification on you? I mean, and again, these are interviews on the beach, not kind of like in a hotel room. These are just casual like walking up to people um and then i think the pinnacle was they talked to this one redneck dude who he's got like his natty lights he's he's got it all going a and big he, diamond stud earring yeah and and the terrible terrible like chin strap um beard, beard. yeah it's, and it's those so like those old sunglasses that people wore at my high school that yeah. are like they're like early two thousand sports sunglasses. Yeah, they like hug your face. It, well, I mean, yeah. it's it's like the conservative in a truck ranting about politics sunglasses. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, the, this one guy is like, uh, to give women a Percocet, some Vicodins, and a bear, and <laughs> gonna be dropping their panties, and they're gonna fuck you. And I wish I wish that impression was like hyperbole but that's no. that's what he says he's like you give him a bear and some vacadin <laughs> he, he said a bear and a we bear. both started cracking up because it sounded like he's you know he had a he had a southern accent it sounded it, like it he said a, a bear a bear it um, killed us and um, so it's interesting yeah, so because he I mean, in that statement, right? He's talking about drugging a woman. That's what he's talking yeah. about. No, literally, he was like, women are panty droppers if you give them all of these drugs and alcohol. It's like, yeah, of yeah, course no you shit, can fucking they don't have any agency. rape someone if you, like, take away their ability to say no and, like, run away, you absolute rapist. But that's, that's like, the only time they allude to it. And there's a part where they were... Uh, following those two girls earlier in the film when they're about to go yeah. out and they they do ask oh are you afraid of getting drugged and, oh yeah and, and, and they, they were terrified they were terrified but they're like yeah i guess that's what every woman has to worry about and they really brush that aside and they never again mention any kind of um you know slipping anyone a drug or just being made to drink they, too much or any, yeah they were uh, like when we're out dancing you know, they were like they were like showing how they hold their their glasses with their hand over the the top and the straw coming out through their fingers. And they were like, yeah, we'll just have to. They're like, I don't even ask people to hold my drink anymore. Like, I just take it with me wherever I go. It's like. And, well, at, and that's OK. That's just normal now. Well, and, and again, they ask the woman, like, what are you doing to make sure that you do not get drugged and raped? But they right. never ask they never ask the men, why are yes. you drugging and raping women and why? Right. Because okay. it's fucking expected, apparently. Apparently. And they really so. brush that aside. They never talk about how I mean, I'd say like of all the things they cover in this film, that is easily the most nefarious. Because the the cap of all of it where they're they were talking about look sexual assault happens everything and then they said you know two days after we wrapped filming that's right there was um a meeting with the sheriff of panama city yes. and they were talking about how there are numerous videos out there on the internet of this woman being gang raped on the beach no one's doing anything and so they were called and they were um recording the meeting and they were act they were acting like they were acting like they didn't have any hand in this they were just like oh isn't this crazy you know they right. have to have this meeting isn't that terrible how all these other people could record how could these people record this gang rape and then no one does right. anything about it and it's like yeah. hello um it's like you don't think your entire film crew being there was incentive for other people to whip out their filming uh, uh devices right and they i mean they didn't record that specific incident, but they recorded actual they record, sexual yeah, assault. They so, did. They recorded this woman 
getting her entire swimsuit ripped off and getting groped by tens of I mean a, a huge dudes, circle a huge guys. number of dudes and then th- talk to the men not the woman talk to the talk to the men about it after and we're like yeah we grabbed whatever we could like we were getting all up in there yeah they're like oh you, you gotta you just gotta yeah that's what that's what one of them said and it's like but after but after they they talked to the sheriff the spring break was banned in the town right so that I was mean, the last one. If it was, if that didn't do that, then who knows what would. But I, I think that, I think that little story is like, kind of, uh, the whole documentary in a nutshell. <laughs> like, yeah. What what were they filming for? What did they hope to say with this footage? And then they tried to act like by being there and. I mean, you know, people will act filming it that they that be, by being there and filming it that they were doing God's work, right? And you Literally. know, people people act differently when they're on film. That has not changed, and um, that's true. You have people that are not very intelligent. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, that are really inebriated. Yeah, and they're you know they're going to be doing stuff. So it was just this whole thing was a mess, and it's you know unfortunate because the whole time we were watching it we're kind of laughing in a really dark way about like, wow, this is terrible. Um, I mean, I don't know how many people are seeing this. This is just one of many, 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 many uh, propaganda films about sex and sexuality. Believe me. I just Um, couldn't believe it was on Netflix. I can. Absolutely. And it's been on there for three years. Well, Netflix, Netflix loves shit. Okay. Okay, hi, welcome back. Um, our next segment is going to be about fall, generally. I just, like, kind of wanted to talk about my feelings around it and Justin's feelings around it and maybe... Well, okay, so if you're like me, like... The thought of fall coming around can feel sort of sad. It's like the shortening of the day and the cooling of the temperature can make things feel bleak. Um, But I kind of wanted to talk about my feelings about it and Justin's um, to help me. And you kind of feel better and like maybe bring up some things that are worth looking forward to. Around this time last year, um, Justin and I and our friends uh, went to Freshgrass, which is a music festival, a bluegrass festival in Western Massachusetts. And obviously we couldn't go this year because of COVID, um, which was obviously sad, um, but also, like, I still have a sense that, like, I'll be able to do things like that again. I don't really, I feel sad, but I also feel like that was, that was the only time I had been to that festival, and, like, um, I don't feel like I'm missing out on some great big thing, but obviously, like, missing out on shows in general, uh, in general is pretty sad. Um, and I think everyone can relate to that. But like while we were in fresh, while we were at Fresh Grass last year, Justin and I definitely became a lot closer. And um, I think that's when we really started being like close friends. Was like there. Um, yeah, and, I'd agree with that. And yeah, I I would say I don't feel quite the same way that you do about missing the <laughs> festival because last year I. I spent a lot of time, in fact, most time we were there doing a lot of thinking about my life and where things were going. And so I couldn't really enjoy the music as much as I'd like to. Um, Yeah. So I would love to go back and be there actually for the music and be more present in it. But uh, that's how it goes. I, you know, we saw some really great acts um, and I do really love bluegrass. But yeah, uh, you know, it's just how it happened. It was a really great experience overall, though. 
And I think you go to things like that for the experience, not necessarily for any particular thing. Um, you know, so. I, I feel similar to you in, in that, like, you know, around this time of year, I always feel like, you know, what's what's next, what's coming. There's kind of this impending, like, I don't know what's happening now this winter. I don't like I don't know what my plans are this winter. And um, I I think, too, for that reason that I felt like I kind of missed out on the music experience as well. And I didn't like take advantage of like this where this um, music festival is is at a big contemporary art museum called Mass Mocha. The biggest in North the America. Big, the biggest in North America. Yeah. And um, I just I didn't go into the galleries as much as I should have as well. I was definitely in like a weird mental place the entire time we were there. Um, it, it, which probably is why I drank so much. <laughs> mm. um, but I remember like, uh, you know, waking up and the, we were in the mountains and like sort of the first little bits of foliage were coming in and the, the fog was like hugging the mountains. Um, because of the cooler temperatures and the, the 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 humidity of like the early morning being condensed, um, and the same thing actually happened at the farm, where like every morning when I was working at the farm last year, you know I would towards the end of the season I would cut Chinese broccoli uh, from the plant, and like little by little as each week went by, the plants got more and more wet each morning so like after a while once I when I walked through the entire um row of of uh broccoli I would just be drenched because all the humidity all the water had been condensed onto the plants um and there was like there's something like really I don't know why, but just like it being that time of year, there's like something really nostalgic for me, like thinking about the moisture hugging these plants and like the cooler temperatures um, doing that. Yeah, but like already here, it's starting to get colder. It's in the 60s now. Um, I It makes me like wonder if it's going to be a little cooler this year because I don't remember it being this cold already last year but it is october i don't know covid's kind of fucking with my brain um, um it, it was about this when we went to fresh grass it was the last weekend where it was in the 80s but you know it's gonna be in the 70s this coming weekend so it's good yeah um but the we are having a drought here so it's kind of a little bit of that but there's definitely foliage happening uh, me and my friend Josh went on the Minuteman the other day for a bike ride, and there's definitely some foliage coming in, which is which is kind of beautiful. Um, and like you know, you go to the supermarket now, and the pumpkins are out, and the apples, uh, and like the cider and everything, um, and all the different kinds of squash. I've been eating a lot of delicatas recently. Um, and yeah, I think like, Justin, do you want to talk about like what you're looking forward to? Um, everything I'm looking forward to is not happening this year. Okay. So do you want to talk about that? I guess. Um, other things, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday um, mm -hmm. because it, has not been corrupted by any capitalism with the exception of Black Friday because Black Friday starts at 4 p.m. on Thursdays now. Uh, so it's not really Friday anymore. Corrupted, like, the, the grocery store is, like, sells all these Thanksgiving-type foods. They have, like, crazy deals, and there's, you know, there's, there's still, like, decorations and everything I, I but guess. It's i'm never not in the same way not I'm in the never same in way a supermarket around the time of thanksgiving i, mm. I just never i am i every every time thanksgiving rolls around i always make sure i source whatever i'm cooking from a farm or farm stand i don't i purposely avoid mm. any kind of supermarket for that um yeah it's just, it's just about food and look i know there's a storied very bad history of why yeah thanksgiving is celebrated i understand that and i hear that but if we're talking about just an occasion to get together with family and eat 
Um, that's what it is for me. That's what it's been for my family. And I greatly appreciate it because I realize I'm fortunate enough to have grown up in a family that is large enough um, where people come together and have a really big meal at a nice big table. And that table gets smaller and smaller every year uh, as the family gets smaller and smaller. People moving away, people having kids, they can't travel as much, people passing. It's just how it goes. Um, yeah, it's just something that's very, very special for me. I've never done a Friendsgiving or anything like that because I do yeah. have such a strong family connection. But realistically, um, before too long, that's that's going to change. And so I'm trying to savor every last one I can. But yeah, I really do I, Thanksgiving this year. I was, um, you know, I, I've done Friendsgivings the last two years um, because I am not as close with my family as you are. Um and I think that, like, I found, you know, t two years ago was, like, when my, my breakup had recently just happened and the thought of, like, going back to Long Island without him, where we're both from, was just, like, completely out of the question for me at the time. And I decided to have a Friendsgiving with my best friend and her boyfriend and some other people. And I loved it and I always liked Thanksgiving but I I really have liked doing the Friendsgiving the last two years there is like a sense of sadness like um because you know it's it's definitely a different kind of Thanksgiving than the one that I grew up with the one that the kind that you're talking about with family um and I'm sure they have that sense w with me missing as well and that that weighs heavily on my conscience but then at the same time, it's like, I love cooking. I love like cooking for my friends and being with them. And, um, and I like, again, I don't know what that's going to mean this year because, um, because of COVID and other things. Uh, but yeah, I actually, I really like Thanksgiving too. My friend Kathy, uh, she also doesn't go home for Thanksgiving anymore. And a lot, I think for a couple of years now, she's actually like gone down to, um, to Plymouth to, uh, uh, there's sort of like a solidarity, uh, march or like stand in at Plymouth Rock to remember those who have, those obviously native people who have passed due to, um, I mean, white supremacy, let's be real. And like, so I, all of that is like, comes with it. But I, I do understand too that Thanksgiving is really special and it means different things to different people. I was just going to say like, it generally like with the cold, even though it fucking blows, like I do really like drinking hot beverages. Like we're both drinking tea today as we did last time because last time we recorded it was it was pretty chilly and I, and I have a nice bathtub and I love taking baths and I always have. And like, I really like to read a good book in the bathtub and just sort of chill in there as long as I can, which I know is something like not everyone loves, but I really, really, it's like something that I really look forward to every year. Yeah. Um, my, my big thing that I enjoy, which I think if you're a local, you might know around here but um that being the head of the charles regatta yeah i never had heard of it until last year but it is the largest rowing regatta in the world um taking place on yeah it's as far as i know um as far as i know definitely in north america i can't think of many other bodies of i water. mean i knew it was big like i think i walked through it like once like the people on land obviously not through the river uh like two years ago like 2018 uh because i was like out for a walk and there were all, like there was this huge crowd of people by the river um but i had no idea what was going on it wasn't until last year when i was like working at the restaurant that i worked at last year um that i like people talked about it at work because it was on my commute to work yeah, it's it's the largest two-day regatta in the world, and it's very special. There's something very um, old school about the whole Cambridge Charles River rowing thing. You know, going by Harvard, seeing the various boathouses. It's just um, 
you know, maybe one of those kind of old school preppy things that <laughs> is, uh, could die out, but it's kind of nice that it still exists. And it's kind of like no other event because you can just walk around and your level of participation is really up to you. Um, mm -hmm. But I've always, like when I was in college, I'd come back ahead of the Charles weekend and, and watch it and hang out because it's just, it's so different. You compare that stretch of Memorial Drive on a Sunday where they close it all off and you can just bike down there, right? Yeah. Or just even during the week where it's not that busy. And then you compare it to what it is for ahead of the Charles weekend. And it's like, you know, the entire rowing world is is going down on that one area. All right, so our recommendation this week is something that I've seen, Emily has not, and uh, it's a documentary, uh, another one. So with a documentary and one such as this, um, I'm not really going to talk about it too much because you just owe it to yourself to see it. Um, it is the film that came out about two years ago. It's just called RBG about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, this is a film that I remember coming out I think there were actually a few films about her around that time. Um, and, you know, she, she became such kind of an icon in the past few years that I didn't go and see the film because I, I just, I didn't understand the whole memes about notorious RBG, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of stayed away, but I always said I would watch it. And now that she's passed, I did. And, um, you know, uh, there's a lot to cover there. And obviously, they only touch on a few points. I'm sure a biography would be a lot better if you really want to learn about her. But just as like a basic, like, who was she? What did she represent? Um, it explained a lot for me. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. All right. Yeah, so... Uh... Thanks everyone for listening. Like I said at the beginning, um, we're really thankful that you guys are listening and downloading um, now that we are online. And uh, like I said, as of uh, this week and weekend, we are officially online. And again, you can find us at ejshow.podbean.com. Um, and we're also on Spotify and, and um, Apple Podcasts. And you can uh, type in uh, either of our names to find us uh, there. And again, my last name is spelled B-R-O-D-R-I-C-K. Um, and thanks again. And we will see you next month or sooner. If anything, probably sooner. Probably sooner if anything interesting comes up. Uh, and we, yeah, hope you have a good October. Right Anything on. Else? Yeah. That's about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Time to eat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>